We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. Today, my guest is an award-winning tech entrepreneur, David Mancilla. David is the CEO and founder of a custom software solutions firm, ISU Corp, and a digital office and client platform, Hublinked. He's also the author of the number one international best-selling book, Breaking Out of Corporate Jail. David works as a business advisor for technology and marketing companies and is a real estate and angel investor. When he was 19, David moved to Canada with his wife and his one-year-old daughter. Over the next 20 years, he and his family turned $20 into a thriving software development company with over 40 employees managing multi-million dollar software projects for clients ranging from startups to corporate giants. David, I am so grateful for your time and willingness to share your expertise, experience, and knowledge on how you lead with generosity. Welcome to ROG. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. Oh my gosh, my pleasure to have you and to learn with you. On your website, there's so many things about you, David, that are inspiring. It says that we believe that gratitude, growth, and contribution are the key to sustained happiness. I believe that too. What do you mean by that? Well, I was in the corporate world for about 10 years. I thought I had enough business acumen. I tried to go on my own. And the only reason why I wanted to be in business is number one, it's in my blood. My father had seven businesses. My, all my siblings are entrepreneurs too. But aside from that, I wanted to find freedom and, uh, and do things on my own. I remember what I wanted the most is being able to manage my calendar. For me, it didn't matter risking a huge salary with, you know, with share options and one month vacations and corner offices and all. It didn't really matter as long as I could actually manage my calendar. So I jumped in. The issue was that quickly when the company started growing, I moved from freedom into money and I got greedy and that almost actually almost killed me. So, so that got me to a journey of self-discovery. Uh, it got me to a journey of the meaning of life. It got me through a journey of, of personal development. And uh, I, I got in search of happiness because I had the money that I wanted to get. I had the business that I wanted to build and I was miserable. I was completely unfulfilled. In 2013, I went to a leadership course uh, where I actually really learned how to be a, a leader because I had no idea what a leader was before. I thought I was a leader, but I wasn't. I was more like a dictator. And in my, in my leadership course, I started following mentors like Tony Robbins, Joel Austin, Andy Stanley. So it took me about, about a year and a half to realize that the key for true happiness is number one, start your day with gratitude. By having your heart functioning without you do anything, you're alive. When I was started with gratitude, growth, and contribution, and we actually started using those values on a daily basis. So that is no longer a, something on the wall, but it's actually that we live and not only mine, the happiness of my entire company and my business partners. For sure. And you've been acknowledged with many awards and recognition 
for the kind of organization that you lead and the ways in which you serve your clients, would you say that this is a direct association with your commitment to gratitude, growth, and contribution? Definitely. I was completely unknown. The first award that I got was in 2013, at the end of 2013, at the end of my first, I call it my first transformation. It was by uh, the college that I graduated at, Conestoga College, and they asked me to apply for the uh, alumni award. So I'm like, ah, this is a long shot, but you know, my kids encouraged me to apply and a couple of people endorsed my, my application. And before I knew I was getting this amazing award and with, with this beautiful gala in, in this amazing venue. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Right at the time that I was finishing to form my, my, my new values. And they never stopped. That was the seed that started getting the attention from other media sources. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. I love that it's like simple yet so profound and it's something that you practice every day. Like you said, starting off your day with gratitude, like you had nothing to do with the fact that your heart is pumping, but that is the reason why we are alive. There's so much depth and simplicity in that one example. When you think about generosity at work, what are some ways in which you are intentional about generosity at work? To begin with, the way I treat my people. Before 2013, like I said, I was a dictator. I was micromanaging everybody, breathing behind their neck all the time. I was horrible. And people knew that I, I came from a good place, so they actually did it. And I feel ashamed of, about that stage in my life, you know? But after that, I, I thought, you know what? Like, people need to do this because they want to do it, not because I'm forcing them to do it. So I said, you know what? I'd rather be bankrupt that continue being a tyrant. So the first thing that I did with generosity is number one, I allowed my people to manage their own time. The same way I actually opened my business to manage my own time. Uh, and I did it because I said, okay, I no longer care what my people do during the day, but I do care that we service our client even better than we did before. So how do we do this? Hub linked. So we started creating processes and automation and collaboration and making sure everybody had all the tools they need so that they can be free. And as a result, I had like a 150% increase in performance. People started getting happier and happier, and it was just generosity. It's just my point that I said, I will no longer enforce anything on my people. If they have to do it, they will do it because they love to do it, not because they have to do it. So now they run their own calendar, their own schedules. But with this amazing process in place that guarantees that we're delivering what we're supposed to be delivering and even more because we also have to be generous to our clients. And I like how you started with the thing that you wanted. When you went out on your own, what you wanted was control over your calendar and time, and you sought to find a solution to enable your team members to have similar freedom. Exactly. Now, I want to understand more about the awakening you had in 2012-13 and you know what enabled you to have that aha and then I want to know more about the title of your book, because I have a feeling it comes from what you were just describing. But let's talk about, you know, you and your transformation. Was there like a moment or a conversation or like what was the turning point for you? Yeah, when I had a heart attack because of the amount of stress that I got myself into just by following the dollar. Uh, I was driving to Toronto going to see a client. Huge snowstorm, five people dead in the highway. To go halfway to my, to my appointment took three hours. And when I saw the next accident happen in front of my eyes, my heart raced 
like crazy and I got really scared. I pulled out of the highway and I thought I'm going to die. So I calmed myself down, drove right back, right into the doctor's office, and uh, she took me to the hospital to do exams. And turns out that I had almost a heart attack. It wasn't a full heart attack. It was something called an angina. But she told me if it would have been 5% harder, either I would have gotten a stroke or I would be dead. Uh, so what I did is I had a partner back then in Atlanta, and uh, we were going the business super fast. We went, like In my business, we, we had five guys. In his business, there were seven guys. And Together, we grew to 120 people in two years. And I almost died because of that. I made pieces with my partner, left him the entire business, the entire growth of the business. I just kept my old clients. I went to my wife. I apologized to her. I didn't see her for about three years. I will, I will travel every two, two, three weeks. And then when I was in Canada, I would leave around 5 a.m. to go see this huge client. Uh, so my kids didn't know me anymore. My wife didn't know me. And uh, I went and apologized. And I told her, I need a, I need a reset. So... She took the kids out of school and we went to Thailand for a month. But we didn't know how long we were going to be. I didn't care if the company was going bankrupt. So I actually, in one week, I, I, I lost 98% of my revenue. When I told my wife, okay, I'm ready to go back. She got plane tickets to go back. And as soon as I came back, it took about, about two weeks to land a million dollar project. And I was right back on my feet. And I didn't learn anything. But now I had no partner, had nobody to blame. So the company kept growing. The one million became multiples with other clients. Before I knew I was up to 20 employees again by the end of 2012. And I was 40 pounds overweight and half my hair was gone. I was abusing alcohol. So the same thing that I was doing before, exactly the same thing. But this time I realized it was me, the one that needed to change. And that's when I started listening to people online because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid. And as soon as I started listening to this podcast, to YouTube videos online, about three weeks in, every time I went through the treadmill, I started crying. So I would work like on the treadmill, I would stay for about two hours. Half the time I was crying for about four weeks. <laughs> I was just healing myself, right? So I went from uh, almost 200 pounds to 159, from 26% body fat to 10% body fat. I was born again. And there's a lot in that story about your tenacity, your forgiveness for yourself, the willingness that your wife had to try and work and believe in you. I mean, there's so much in there and that healing, that process of just allowing yourself to experience what you were feeling. And it sounds to me like it was full ownership of both the situation you were in and the future you were creating. Definitely. The one thing I can say for everybody that is willing to listen, take responsibility of your actions and stop blaming people. So how can you speak to those who are listening who are team leaders and you know, your beliefs about the responsibility that leaders have to set the tone? You have to start from your company vision and values. In order for you to actually have the right mission, the right vision and the right values is to make them as, as small and as simple as possible so that you can actually start living those values. You don't create a culture by telling people what they should do. You create a culture by example. You leave your own values. People notice your activities and the way you make choices and the way you handle stress and the way you handle problems and the way you handle success. And that's contagious. And before you know, everybody's following and make sure there are not more than three or four values because otherwise you'll forget and then you will, you will not live your life by those values. Absolutely. On the value of gratitude, what are specific things that you do to demonstrate your gratitude for your team, for your customers? 
I think it's a really important practice for leaders to embody. And I know you're very disciplined about that. What are some examples that you could share with us? So we always, always try to over-deliver. They want two, we give them three. They want 10, we, we give them 12. We try to add massive value in their lives, not only in their business life, but also in their personal lives. Uh, I'm at a stage of my life where I don't believe in just business contacts and, and employees and clients. Every single person that I interact with has the potential to become a very close friend. And that's how I live my life because I don't have time to waste. The reason why I wake up every morning is to add massive value to the world. And the only way I can do that is through friendships. I've seen you, I've just seen the videos like the pandemic hit and I, I just started dedicating myself to raise their standards, to raise their awareness by teaching the little that I know how to live a better life. That's a, a way of showing gratitude. Also, every time we make a penny more, we distribute our, a big portion of our earnings back to them. Uh, so I share the abundance with them as much as I can. They are loved and they are enough to be part of this amazing place. They're more than enough. I really think if we took that to heart and that would solve a lot of our other challenges if we all believe that about ourselves. Oh, definitely. The main single reason why people misbehave is because they are afraid that they are not enough, therefore they won't be loved. When you are made out of love, you were born enough in your core. The most incredible energy in the world, the most powerful energy in the world is love. In the universe, everything that you see in space is is what makes the planets go around the sun. It's love. And we're made out of that. We're just dust particles, right? From, from stars. <laughs> when we come back, David will share with us how to show love in your organization through contributions to others. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit QODPOD.com and meet our podcasters. That's QODPOD.com. And we're back with more from David Mancilla. One of the ways that you also show love in your organization and in your life is your contributions to others through an organization called Loving Arms. Can you talk to us a little bit about Loving Arms? Basically, what I wanted to do is find a charity that wasn't, uh, that actually, that I could actually relate to. So I thought, okay, how can we give back? I come from Guatemala. Guatemala is one of the poorest countries in the world. I've seen the poverty there. I've seen children dying there. There's got to be a charity that is in Canada that is helping Guatemala. And I looked and I looked and I looked, nothing. Most charities that are helping Guatemala are from the USA. Intentionally, I wanted to make it Canadian because I am Canadian too, right? I found Linda from Loving Arms and uh, we met and she told me what she was doing, how she started. She's a retired executive from this big company and she started just making bracelets to raise money to give to poor children in Guatemala because she went on a mission trip and she fell in love with the country and, and, the, and the people and the opportunity that there is there to help out. By braiding bracelets, now she's like, I don't know how I got here, David, but I'm about to open a school. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, and now she's fully vested in this her new stage in life by, you know, adding massive value to children in Guatemala. It's funny because every time I have a crisis, it's like there is more need and then I give and then my crisis goes away. And I don't know if it's correlated or not, but I was going through a big crisis in 2019 because one of our biggest clients uh, couldn't pay us anymore and they defaulted seven figures on us. So big, big, big hole in my company. 
But you know, after 2013, you know, I, I know that it's not my business, you know, it's the Lord's. And uh, if he wants to take it away from me, I'll be happy because then I'll, I'll, have, I'll have something else to do, right? So it was, it was a very terrible time, don't get me wrong, but you know, we pivoted, we figured it out. But just exactly the month that I found out that I wasn't gonna get paid for a year's worth of work for my biggest client, Linda calls me and she says, David, we have a crisis. Our biggest church sponsor cannot do it anymore. And we have about 25 kids without a sponsor. So then I said, ah, oh, this is a great opportunity to step up, right? So what I did is I sent an email to everybody in the company. I said, guys, we have a beautiful opportunity to help out. I know we're in crisis mode right now, but I did this before and it worked out. I don't know where the money is going to come from, but it's, it's going to work out. And I told the guys, listen, people, you have an opportunity. If you sponsor a kid, I'll match it with, with, with the company's money. And um, we actually, I think we got 20 kids out of 25. My wife talked to me and she said, how about the other five kids? And then I said, let's sponsor them personally. So now, so we got the, the extra kids that we couldn't get with the company. And sure enough, my crisis went from November to by March, we were profitable again. We didn't have to let anybody go. And we started growing exponentially since then. Unbelievable, right? That power of generosity. And you don't give to get. Oh, no. Our podcast is called Return on Generosity. And, and I want to be really clear that the intent is not so that you get. The fact is that you do, though. If you, if you give to get, it's an investment. It's not generosity. And you know what, though? It's selfish anyways. Because when you give unconditionally without expecting, you get so much love. Your emotions go to such higher vibration that you become a better person anyways. Right. That's the thing. So even if your intent wasn't pure initially, you get all those benefits and it's just such a beautiful thing. And to see it within an organization, because I think that organizations are ripe for more intentional generosity. So you also give job opportunities for those in need. Tell me more about that. Just to give you a background, I came at 19. I already had a computer science degree from my country, but nobody would validate it in Canada because this is 1991. If you come with a computer science degree now, you get a job the next day regardless of what country you come from, if you can prove that you know what you said you know. But back then I didn't. So I had to be, I had to have a retail job for five years while I was going back to school. So that's five years a long time to be a store manager. And you know, actually I don't regret that. It was beautiful. I was working for my brother. I learned a ton of retail. I wrote a point of sale system for him while I was going through school. So all beautiful. One of my best friends is, uh, is the founder of a nonprofit organization here in Kitchener, Waterloo called Neruda Arts. And her mission is to bring multiculturalism through music and arts to the cities. And she also volunteers a lot in the multicultural center and helping new Canadians get established. And she told me about this lady that uh, came from Brazil, software engineer, being in Canada for over a year. And she was working as a cashier in a supermarket because she couldn't get a job in her field. And I remember myself and I'm like, that's crazy. And then I noticed that it's because her English wasn't very good. But I said, you know what? I have this, for us to do our hiring process is very strong. Because remember, I just, I just want to work with people that I could become very good friends with. And also in the technical side, they have to be the best I can find in the world. So as a result, I have this intensive five-step process where we certify people that want to work with us. And there is a lineup of people wanting to get in, actually. So I told her, you know what? If you want, I can get you through that process. I don't have a job for you. That was March pandemic time last year. I don't have a job for you, but I guarantee you that if you learn with my interview process, I give them people real projects. And I give them the opportunity to research because I'm not interested on how much they know right now, but I'm more interested on how much they can learn by themselves. So I asked her, do you, want, do, you, do you want to do this? And she's like, 
It would be awesome. Thank you. And it, it, it costs us money because a senior developer has to be with her, teaching her what to do. And like, this is it's an investment from my end. She did it in three and a half months, graduated, gave her a diploma, saying that she's now a certified ISU developer. And we have some reputation, so that counts for something. Three weeks later, she's no longer a cashier. She 10x her salary. I run a separate digital marketing company I founded last year called uh, Real Story Marketing. So now we have an internship program for that too. By the way, if you're listening to this and you want to get some Canadian experience, North American experience, you're welcome to participate in my internship program for sure. ISUCorp.ca, it's there on my website. It'll be in the show notes. Check that out if that's something of interest to you. So you talk about how giving is an opportunity for you to serve and that giving inexperienced people a chance like her. That's such a great example of you saw potential in her. What you were looking for was her ambition and her willingness to find a way to be resourceful, to learn and, and, and demonstrate her capability, not necessarily through her past knowledge that had been proven through some kind of a diagnostic, but more in terms of her willingness and her work ethic. And you know what a great end to that story. And that you've also given people an opportunity to move to Canada, which is a gift. Yes. The, the first time that I did it was uh, because the, the, the company really needed about five uh, very senior software engineers for this project, we're, this huge project we were building in Toronto. This is 2010. And um, so I started exploring how to bring these guys to Canada. And I, actually, they came. All of them came back to, to Argentina after the project was ended. They didn't like staying in the country. But after that, you know, uh, some of my team members are like, David, what is it like to live in Canada? And I told them, brother, you want to come check it out? If you need help, I'll help you. And actually, we just got one, uh, one of our senior architects just moved to Canada two weeks ago. He's got his papers. He's happy. Uh, he's going to get his first apartment actually on Friday. He's living on an Airbnb right now. And now he's coming to the office every day. And my heart is so thankful for that opportunity. And imagine him, yes. right? Oh my gosh. I mean, that is a totally different trajectory in your life. That is more than, I, I talk about five degree shifts where you just make a little change and you go to a different destiny. But that's like a major shift that you just enabled for this individual. And think about all the people who will benefit from his radiance and his strengths and talent that will just perpetuate that goodness and in ways that you, there's no way that you could quantify, but you are a part of the story. And, you know, a way that people can get more of this kind of energy and inspiration from you, David, is in your new book, congratulations on its release, called Breaking Out of Corporate Jail. Can you tell us a little bit about that book, the title, and what people who read this book can gain? Yes. Actually, at the end of uh, my first transformation in 2013, I, I, I went to Panama. I had people working with me there. So I go to Panama once a year. I was by myself on the weekend and I, I was looking back at the exponential growth that I had personally that year. And I'm like, you know what? I have to write a book about this. So because I was by myself, I just wrote the table of content. They had no name. I just wrote what I wanted to talk about. And I forgot about it. And actually, every year I was thinking I got to do this book, but I never made, got the chance to do it. So I talked to my mentor, one of my mentors. She's an amazing disciplined person. And uh, her name is Kim. And I told her, Kim, help me write this book. Let's write it together. And she's like, no, 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 you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then uh, finally she said, okay, I'll write a book with you, but not this one. Let's do something together called The Power of Passion. And by the way, we're going to be working on that this year. But because of she's just giving me the inspiration to do it, I started the other book, not mine. And then 
got, life got complicated. And then I went, I met Tony Robbins and that really changed my life because he just started to explode all these positive emotions in me. So all the, all the stuff that I was doing by myself, he just put dynamite on it, right? So I got, in, I got enough emotional awareness to actually start writing it in August, 2019. We finished the first manuscript in September, 2019. Little did I know that that was the, that was only 10% of the work. <laughs> When we started, when we started reading back and doing the editing, oh my God, it was so horrible. And actually, it was thanks to the pandemic that I was able to finish it because I could no longer travel. I had to stay home and just work from Canada the whole year. I haven't traveled in a year now. I had that time to dedicate to the book. So we just did it and did it and faster and faster. And finally, I think we released it in June, something like that. And it became, it became bestseller very, very quick. Uh, thank God, because the book is about how I actually got where I am right now. Um, and I go in detail. Why did I move to Canada? Uh, why I only had 20 bucks left? Actually, my, my, my aunt gave me 50 bucks. Thank God, because I didn't know I was going to need money. And uh, I took a bus from, because I went to see my sister. She was in Manhattan. She was very broke too back then. And uh, so I took a bus from Manhattan to Buffalo, where my brother was going to pick me up. And I needed to buy food and diapers for the kid. And so 50 bucks became 20 bucks when my brother picked me up. <laughs> so I, everything is in the book. So it's like, it's my life stories, right? And how I got to gratitude, growth, and contribution. So you believe that generosity is the key to happiness and a fulfilling life. And I totally agree. Thank you for your example, David. Oh, my pleasure. ROG takeaway tip. How to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. David shared many nuggets of wisdom and encouragement that we can apply to our lives. We'll start by taking responsibility for our actions and being accountable. Let's start with the positives. What's an area of your life you'd say is going really well? You'd assess your current state in this area as working or working well. Is it your financial well-being, your physical fitness, relationships, maybe it's personal growth and discovery? or you've been making positive contributions to your community and that's going really well. We get results in the things that we focus on. All of us have at least one area of our lives that we'd say is working well. What's also true is that we all have components of our lives that need improvement. Maybe you're being fulfilled and feel strong about your work situation or financial well-being, but your closest personal relationship is suffering. In that relationship, you feel disconnected, invisible, Maybe you even feel judged or shame, or you might feel lonely. You live in the same home, but you feel alone. If we were to conduct an audit of our personal core values, what we say we care about, and our priorities assessed by where we invest our precious time and attention, many of us would see a mismatch, a curious misalignment. David shared personal examples of how he course corrected throughout his life. How about you? Where do you need a course correction or edit? What's one action that you could take to increase your fulfillment and alignment in your greatest area of weakness? What's your weakest link in your chain of personal congruence? And what could you do to fix or improve that area? For me, it's personal time. I'm deeply invested in others and I'm personally fulfilled when I'm asked or discover how I can be of service. It's rewarding but it can't be all consuming. I need to schedule 
protect and invest time for myself. I can do things like read, listen to podcasts, meditate, or do nothing, which I'm really bad at. The demands from the commitments that I've made need to be paired with strategic recovery and rest. That's where I need to focus on being more aligned. How about you? Taking accountability is hard. It's much easier to blame circumstances, believe that there's a lack of resource, like not enough time, there's no money, or procrastinate and hope that everything's going to get better someday. Taking ownership and accountability means that we identify and recognize how we contribute to our current circumstances. What are we doing that can change? Delta means change. What about our current formula needs to change? What's our delta? And how are we going to be responsible for what happens next? So let's close with these two reminders. Number one, everything is love. We are made from love, to love, and are love. Being willing to accept the love offered to us is so important. Generously and openly offer love to others because once we make love our primary currency, things are gonna change. Communities from two people to millions are going to find peace, creativity, and resilience in that unity of love. And the second and final point, you are enough. Right now, as you are, in this moment. Not after you make that small change, not after something else happens, right now. You are enough now. Please accept that truth and own it. Until next time, Stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.